A typical Bitcoin mining operation will spend considerable amounts of time, energy, and money cooling their ASIC miners with air conditioning or liquid immersion cooling, and these costs eat into profitability. However, the main waste product of OTEC is a nearly infinite and continuous supply of 5 degrees Celsius cold water. Not only does OTEC produce free cooling, it provides a level of cooling that almost no one else in the mining industry has access to, enough to overclock mining rigs by 30 to 40%, according to Harmon. This allows OTEC to essentially achieve a power usage effectiveness, or PUE, level of 1, representing nearly perfect mining efficiency. It may very well be the most efficient way to mine Bitcoin. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Uh, our co-host, Radford Swan, will not be joining us uh, today. He is in the middle of a very satisfying meal. But luckily, in his stead, I have an excellent read for you guys. This is from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, they have, I have a big backlog of great stuff on Bitcoin Magazine right now. And actually, I have another piece by Level39, who is the author of today's article. Um, uh, Level Dart now has been kind of killing it. Um, gotta say, I've been really enjoying his stuff. And this one is a, uh, an article he wrote on something referred to as OTEC. Um, and this is basically a more than a century old technology that has essentially been economically unviable. It's an energy production method. It's a way to harness stranded energy that has basically been left in the graveyard of economic infeasibility, um, but that has a massive, an actual massive potential if you can prove it, if you can build it out and make it work at scale. And essentially, as, as we've talked about tons and tons of times on this show and through many different articles, pieces from Nick Carter, uh, Brandon Quidham, like so much of the stuff that we broke down about the energy dynamics of Bitcoin is that it changes the economics of stranded energy in a major way. And this in particular is a really, really fascinating one. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this piece. Um, before we get into it, let's go ahead and just thank our sponsors. We've got the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet where I keep my Bitcoin safe. If you do not have a simple, secure hardware wallet, you are you're missing everything that Bitcoin is. You got to get yourself a hardware wallet. You got to withdraw your coins from the freaking exchange and hold your own keys. Get 5% off the BitBox with code GUY, G-U-I. Go to uh, guyswan.com slash BitBox. And then that's where you're going to send your coins when you buy them on Swan Bitcoin. They're going straight to your BitBox and you can automatically withdraw. Swan Bitcoin is the best place to onboard and get acquainted with Bitcoin, and they have the best team out there. Swan Private is by far the way to go. 
and I've been auto stacking and auto withdrawing with Swan Bitcoin for I have no idea how long. They are it. Drop Coinbase and switch to Swan. And lastly, the fold card. Sats back on everything in your life. Fold is literally my bank account now. Like it is how I do all of my fiat life. And I have 8 million sats so far that I have saved just from day-to-day expenses, bills. If you're not making sats back on everything you do, then you're missing out on that fold life. And a 20% discount for you guys with code BITCOINAUDIBLE. Get all the links, discounts, and goodies and everything at the show notes page and at guyswan.com. With that, let's get into today's amazing read and... It's titled, How Bitcoin Can Unlock the Energy of the Ocean for One Billion People, by Level 39. Bitcoin can breathe new life into Ocean Thermal Energy Conversion, or OTEC, a 150-year-old renewable technology stymied by economies of scale. Bitcoin has the potential to help unlock between 2 to 8 terawatts of clean, continuous, and year-round baseload power for 1 billion people by harnessing the thermal energy of the oceans. The technology is Ocean Thermal Energy Conversion, or OTEC, a 150-year-old idea stymied by economies of scale that turns Earth's oceans into an enormous renewable solar battery. It does this by combining warm tropical surface water and deep cold seawater to create a conventional heat engine. This simple idea is perfectly suited to be expanded to a planetary scale by Bitcoin's unique appetite for purchasing and consuming stranded energy from the prototypes and pilot plants that will be required to prove it works. Furthermore, by harnessing virtually unlimited quantities of cold water for cooling co-located ASIC miners, OTEC may very well be the most efficient and most ecological way to mine Bitcoin. The Conception of OTEC There's a powerful, obedient, swift, and effortless force that can be bent to any use and which reigns supreme aboard my vessel. It does everything. It lights me. It warms me. It is the soul of my mechanical equipment. This force is electricity. Jules Verne, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea OTEC was conceived in 1881 when French physicist Jacques Arsène d'Azenval proposed trapping the thermal energy stored in the ocean. He was inspired by Jules Verne's novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, when Captain Nemo remarks how there is no shortage of energy that his ship, the Nautilus, could conceivably harness, such as, quote, obtaining electricity through the diverging temperatures of different depths. Darzenval proposed using such diverging temperatures to power a heat engine, which converts heat into mechanical energy. He conceived an idea of a plant with a Rankine cycle based on the work of William Rankine, a mid-19th century Scottish mechanical engineer who described an idealized thermodynamic cycle where mechanical work is extracted from a fluid as it moves between a heat source and a heat sink. 
OTEC can be performed from the shore or interconnected to land from a distant oceanographic platform, well out of sight. Over 1 billion people live within 100 kilometers of a tropical coast, where a 25 degrees Celsius temperature difference can be found between warm surface seawater and cold, deep seawater at depths of 1 kilometer. This differential, or delta T, is perfect for OTEC. At room temperature, a working fluid such as ammonia will boil and evaporate. Reduce the temperature in a condenser bathed in deep, cold seawater, and the ammonia condenses back into a liquid. Together, the diverging temperatures produce the Rankine cycle that will power a turbine and generate electricity. The result is a clean, continuous baseload power that runs year-round and can provide free cooling for buildings, infrastructure, or mining equipment. All you have to do is pump water to the surface and let physics do the work. Other engineers would continue Dersenval's legacy, such as Ben J. Campbell, who in 1913 predicted that the tropical oceans would prove an indefinitely large and inexhaustible storehouse of potential energy, which could abundantly supply all the power needed by future man. But it would not be until 1930 that the first OTEC plant would be completed. Georges Claude, a student of Darsenval's, known as the Edison of France for his breakthroughs with neon lights and industrial gases, would end up staking and losing his fortune in his floundering OTEC plant in Mantanzas Bay, Cuba, and a self-funded OTEC freighter to manufacture and sell ice to residents of Rio de Janeiro. Plagued by logistical issues, storms, mistakes, and spiraling costs, the projects failed. Claude had even considered extracting microscopic grains of gold from OTEC seawater to increase his plant's revenue. He could not have imagined that almost a century later, oceanographers would be using seawater to extract a new kind of digital gold from computers. Nikola Tesla considered ocean thermal energy to be extremely promising and proposed optimizations to Cloud's heat engine in order to improve the logistics and economics. The two engineers would each find that their individual attempts to harness Earth's abundant energy would be foiled by economies of scale. Cloud's losses made investors wary of OTAC. Within a few years, the discovery of nuclear fission had occurred, and by 1944, prominent petroleum geologist Everett de Goyer reported to the U.S. government that Middle East nations were sitting atop untold billions of barrels of oil. De Goyer's report to the State Department remarked, The oil in this region is the greatest single prize in all history. With that discovery, OTEC would be all but overlooked for decades to come, and few governments were willing to invest much time or money into exploring or scaling the fledgling technology. A New Hope for OTEC Quote, If only 2% of the power available in the ocean thermal difference were utilized, we would have many times as much energy as the world now needs. Brian Bjors, University of California at Berkeley, 1977 there remains isolated interest in OTEC, especially in Hawaii. In 1979, the state of Hawaii, Lockheed Corporation, and two other companies partnered to create Mini OTEC, 
the first successful closed-cycle self-sustaining ocean thermal energy operation at sea. Set on a barge, the floating 50-kilowatt facility used a 2-foot diameter, 2,150-foot-long polyethylene pipe for its cold water intake. Hawaii has since passed legislation in 2015 mandating 100% of the state's energy be generated from renewable sources by 2045. Secluded in the warm waters of the Pacific Ocean, Hawaii has a unique power grid that is similar to Texas in that it is completely isolated and disconnected. As an added complexity, each island has its own stranded grid. No power is connected or shared between the individual islands, nor is there any political will to interconnect the islands. Ironically, Hawaii is physically surrounded by an enormous amount of potential energy, with little incentive to explore it. Hawaii's Big Island and its sparsely populated outer islands have a load of about 200 megawatts, and should be able to easily meet the state's mandate using conventional renewables, including geothermal. Oahu, Hawaii's most populated island, has a more challenging situation. The Oahu Problem Oahu is home to approximately 1 million of 1.4 million residents in the state of Hawaii, and has a load of 2,000 megawatts, with almost no spare land to site new utilities. Conventional renewables on Oahu will either fall short or are untenable for a variety of reasons, according to Nathaniel Harmon, an oceanographer and the founder and CEO of Blockchain Solutions Hawaii and Ocean Bit Energy, which merges Bitcoin mining and OTAC. Harmon calculates that if you were to replace Oahu's Kahi 600 megawatt fossil fuel plant with intermittent wind, you'd need an offshore wind farm the size of Oahu at a cost of approximately $19 billion. It would also need a utility-scale battery system and vast amounts of cabling and mooring. A wind farm of that scale would receive major environmental pushback from the community, as the Kaiwi Channel is home to whale breeding grounds. For solar, Oahu would need to source enough panels and land area four times the size of its international airport if there were no space between the panels. Again, batteries would be required to produce constant power and the environmental destruction to situate the infrastructure would be considerable. As for nuclear power, there is no realistic space to site a nuclear plant on Oahu. Even though nuclear power is a reliable, clean, and safe form of energy production, there is no way to execute an evacuation plan for the island in the event of a tsunami, landslide, or accident. Wave technology, which remains unproven and lacks a reliable track record, would only meet roughly 17% of Oahu's energy demands if the island were able to utilize all of its shoreline. Even if you could find the land, displace landowners, violate the existing environment, and rebuild Oahu's grid to accommodate conventional renewables, it wouldn't make fiscal sense. And again, each island has its own isolated grid, and there is no political desire for interconnecting them. At 30 cents per kilowatt hour, Hawaii already pays the highest energy costs in the nation. In 2020, 
Hawaiian Electric purchased approximately $6.75 million worth of curtailed energy from producers that was wasted. The bill for this waste is passed on to Hawaiian residents. Had the utility employed demand response Bitcoin mining, Harmon calculates the utility would have generated over $8 million in revenue. Harmon believes that OTEC is the only realistic option for Oahu to meet its renewable energy demands. His company, OceanBit, hopes to make OTEC feasible by incorporating Bitcoin mining. OceanBit has enlisted engineering support from Makai Ocean Engineering, a company that has built the first grid-connected OTEC research facility in Kaluakona on the Big Island. It's a small, closed-cycle, 100-kilowatt plant that sits right on the shore. Yet, OTEC has not yet been proven to be feasible at scale. Its critics rightfully point out its long history of physical and economic challenges. A 100-megawatt plant would need a cold-water pipe about 35 feet in diameter to reach depths of a kilometer, and the pipe would need to reliably remain intact and connected through storms and strong currents for decades. The economic challenges are equally daunting, but Harmon has a secret weapon. Bitcoin. The Innovation Valley of Death. Let's pause right here and take a moment and talk about securing our Bitcoin keys. And I have the famous Rad Swan with me today. And I have to ask, Rad, you know, how are you enjoying your BitBox? Mm. Wow, that's good. That's good to hear. You know, I think my favorite thing about the BitBox is just how easy it is to use on top of the fact that it's secure. You know, even at your young age of eight days old, the BitBox O2 is intuitive enough that you already got it set up. No problem. Mm. You backed it up on your micro SD. You ate your micro SD card, which is a very interesting form of security. But, you know, to each their own. But you're a sovereign Bitcoiner. Frankly, it's impressive. And the desktop app just makes it so simple to manage your wallet. Plug the sucker right in and you're good to go. Honestly, Rad, I never doubted you or the BitBox. But Rad wants you guys to know you can get 5% off with code GUY. That is right, 5% off everything in the store. So go grab yourself a BitBox O2 to keep your Bitcoin safe. Get it off of exchanges. You know, if Rad can do this at eight days old, I have faith that you can probably do it too. Be a sovereign Bitcoiner like Rad. Don't watch your exchange become insolvent. Well, don't watch them get hacked and lose your coins because you never actually owned them. Get a Swiss-made digital vault for your digital keys. Don't be sad. Be like Rad. Go to guyswan.com slash bitbox. Again, that is guyswan.com slash bitbox. The Innovation Valley of Death To understand why Bitcoin and OTEC pair so well, it is important to recognize both the economics that OTEC must overcome as well as the symbiotic relationship between ASIC miners and the ocean itself. Progress on OTEC is presently constrained by what is known as the Innovation Valley of Death. Pre-commercial OTEC plants are not commercially attractive, but such facilities are needed to convince financiers that the risk is manageable considering the size of the potential market. 
The small-scale test facilities, such as the 100-kilowatt Mackay plant in Kona, produce electricity that is over $1 per kilowatt hour. There are no buyers for electricity at that price, but it's still possible to get small-scale funding despite the unsellable electricity. It is estimated that a large-scale 100 to 400 megawatt OTEC plant would produce electricity in the range of 6 cents to 20 cents per kilowatt hour. However, engineers need to build a medium-scale 5 to 10 megawatt test facility proving it can reliably maintain its cold water intake pipes to produce continuous baseload power for about two and a half years before a large-scale plant can be simulated and built. The problem is that an interconnected medium-scale plant would cost about $200 million to $300 million and produce electricity in the range of $0.50 cents to $1 per kilowatt hour. Nobody on the grid will buy energy at that price. Anyone who funds a medium-scale OTEC plant would be taking a total loss on their sizable investment. The state of Hawaii can't afford to take that kind of loss. This conundrum gave Harmon an idea. What if the team optimized a medium-scale OTEC facility to mine Bitcoin? A typical Bitcoin mining operation will spend considerable amounts of time, energy, and money cooling their ASIC miners with air conditioning or liquid immersion cooling, and these costs eat into profitability. However, the main waste product of OTEC is a nearly infinite and continuous supply of 5 degrees Celsius cold water. Not only does OTEC produce free cooling, it provides a level of cooling that almost no one else in the mining industry has access to, enough to overclock mining rigs by 30 to 40%, according to Harmon. This allows OTEC to essentially achieve a power usage effectiveness level of 1, representing nearly perfect mining efficiency it may very well be the most efficient way to mine Bitcoin. If there is no buyer for the energy from a medium-scale test facility at 50 cents to a dollar per kilowatt hour, then one doesn't need to connect it to land. That's a $40 million to $100 million savings by avoiding an offshore cable. If there's no need to connect it to land, then there's no need to obtain permits or more the facility. That's tens of millions of dollars in additional savings. And if there's no need to moor the facility, then it can be dynamically maneuvered using its own discharge, and there's no need to incur the exorbitant costs to hurricane-proof it. And if the facility can be maneuvered, the facility can graze and find the most optimal location for OTEC with the warmest surface waters and greatest temperature differential in order to maximize efficiency and avoid the innovation valley of death. This just happens to be in the doldrums, a hot and windless region along the equator well known for stranding ships during the age of sail. In an interview for this article, Harmon said OTEC's energy generation efficiency scales with the square of the delta T. Theoretically, one can double the efficiency of OTEC 
with an additional 8 degrees Celsius delta T. In other words, moving from Hawaii, which has a 20 degrees Celsius annual mean delta T, to the equator, which has a 28 degrees Celsius annual mean delta T, can turn a 5 megawatt facility into a 10 megawatt facility. With all of these optimizations and capital expenditure reductions, Harmon contends that his team can bring stranded, medium-scale OTEC down to 11 cents per kilowatt hour. Combined with free cooling and overclocked mining rigs, the test facility would be able to sell its stranded energy to a symbiotic and highly optimized co-located buyer, Bitcoin Mining. Harmon envisions that a medium-scale test facility stranded on a barge in international waters and optimized to mine Bitcoin will allow OTEC to overcome the innovation valley of death for the first time in history. Energy Abundance and Bitcoin Flexible Load Tropical locations that are well-suited to large-scale OTEC could also have a lot of intermittent solar and wind and a lot of curtailment. Harmon envisions these regions would direct curtailment to their OTEC plants, where the cooled and overclocked Bitcoin miners could be optimized to consume the excess energy and bring down the cost of large-scale OTEC. A region that employed this architecture would enjoy cheap, clean, and continuous baseload power, with flexible load subsidized by Bitcoin mining revenue. By fostering energy abundance, OTEC can be used to power desalination plants to provide fresh drinking water for those regions while sustainably extracting raw materials from seawater. More controversially, it might also make seabed mining of manganese nodules, trillions of dollars of geodes containing economic concentrations of minerals, profitable for the first time. Tropical environments often have increased demand for air conditioning all year round. This typically raises energy costs and the high demand for energy often requires power from non-renewable sources. OTEC can reduce the need for energy-intensive air conditioning by providing seawater air conditioning to nearby buildings. Cold 5 degrees Celsius water from OTEC is pumped through a heat exchanger to a closed-loop chilled water system. The loop passes through various fan units, which blow air over the chilled pipes to provide cool air into living spaces. Hawaii's Tradition of Sustainable Natural Resources Before contact with Westerners, the Kingdom of Hawaii had a long tradition of sustainability, using the natural resources that were available to them. The native populations had a cultural tradition known as Ahupua'a, a watershed and common land division within streams and valleys. The Ahupua'a included the land from the mountains to the coast, and the coastal ocean extending out to and including the coral reef. The natives would plant taro in the highlands and divert streams into their fields, which would carry nutrients down to rock-walled fish pond estuaries at the ocean shore. It was in these estuaries that their favorite fish were cultivated in a mix of fresh, nutrient-dense water and salt water from the ocean. The pre-contact kingdom supported hundreds of thousands of people 
completely isolated from the outside world for hundreds of years, prior to Captain James Cook's arrival in Hawaii in 1778. Today, Hawaii imports approximately 85% of its food and 95% of its energy resources. From Tradition to Modern Sustainability The cold water that Otec extracts from the deep ocean is rich in minerals and nutrients. Sea life on the ocean's surface eventually becomes detritus and is constantly falling down into the depths of the ocean. Oceanic thermohaline circulation carries considerable quantities of detritus into the Pacific Ocean where the nutrient density is magnified. OTEC's byproduct can not only be used for powering and cooling Bitcoin miners, its nutrients can be extracted for agriculture and aquaculture. Water extracted by OTEC can be used for desalination or for producing green hydrogen fuel through energy-intensive electrolysis, all powered by OTEC. Whatever water isn't used is discharged back to the ocean. Nutrients that are recirculated back into the seas increase the efficiency of shallow phytoplankton, which can sequester carbon dioxide into the ocean depths as that sea life becomes falling detritus. However, the effects of this discharge needs to be studied at larger scale. It should be noted that unless artificial upwelling is maintained indefinitely, the effects would eventually reverse and possibly push temperatures even higher. This is why Harmon would much rather see those nutrients become carbon sinks on land and improve crop yields for humanity, where they would have a more lasting impact. Applying electricity to seawater can create artificial reefs through a process known as seawater electrolysis, where calcium carbonate forms around a cathode, eventually coating the electrode with a material three times the strength of concrete. This accretion process was perfected by Wolf Hilberts, who was inspired by the mid-19th century British scientist Michael Faraday, better known for inventing the DC battery. Faraday noticed a fluffy white precipitation when running electricity through water. When cultivated properly, this precipitation creates calcium carbonate, the substance that coral and shells are composed of. OTEC-powered seawater electrolysis could be used to generate self-repairing porous reefs that effectively dissipate wave energy to protect and regrow eroded beaches, shorelines, and marine environments faster than sea levels can rise. These incredibly strong structures might even one day support new sustainable human habitats and create artificial archipelagos powered with abundant OTEC electricity, fresh water, food, and fuel. Build, test, and study. That you turn the OTEC is turning the, the surface of the ocean into a giant solar panel. So instead of having to, you know, there's not enough Holy lithium cow. in the world to uh, put batteries and solar panels to fuel the world's energy resources. So instead of that, you use the ocean, which is already doing that. Nathaniel Harmon, Bitcoin Energy and the Environment. There are potential environmental downsides to OTEC, and studying those negative externalities is one of the main goals of the medium-scale test facility that Harmon and his team plan to build. The plants can be noisy and might affect sea life, so the noise attenuation must be studied. 
Another potential issue is the use of anti-fouling compounds used to keep pipes from corroding. In pumping too much nutrient-dense water onto the surface without putting it to good use can promote putrefaction. The solution is to release mixed water to a medium depth where it continues on in the detritus cycle. This still changes the trophic structure of the area surrounding the plant, which also needs to be studied. While nutrient-dense water from OTEC can be used for agriculture and for productive carbon sequestering on land, another potential application for the nutrient-dense water is aquaculture. Its artificial upwelling replicates the upwellings found in nature that are responsible for nurturing and supporting the world's largest marine ecosystems and the largest densities of life on the planet. Non-native species such as abalone, trout, oysters, clams, and cold-water sea animals such as lobster and salmon thrive in this nutrient-rich seawater and could be raised in tropical locations. This would reduce the need for distant shipping and energy-intensive refrigeration for tropical locations where harvested seafood often deteriorates quickly. In a twist of irony, the technology that was inspired by Verne's fictional tale of seasteading could very well support permanent dwellings, research labs, and Bitcoin citadels in international waters. The first steps for Harmon and his team will be to refactor Mackay's Kailua-Kona 100-kilowatt plant on the Big Island with S9 Bitcoin miners. The plant is too small to make money, but it will demonstrate the integrated cooling technology from OTEC. Next, the team wants to work on the medium-scale demonstration using a grazing containerized platform. OTEC and terraforming Incredibly, OTEC can be used to enhance rainfall and moderate the high ambient summer temperatures in the tropics. A 100 megawatt power plant would be able to pump approximately 12 million gallons or 44,400 metric tons of 5 degrees Celsius water to the surface, slightly more than the mass of the Bismarck-class battleship, every minute. Although more research is needed, in theory, if a number of large-scale OTEC plants directed this upwelling to the surface in a region, it could affect the weather in potentially beneficial ways. When the ocean surface is warm, this creates a lower-pressure system which creates dry and warm oceanward winds. It is more preferable to have moist landward winds from the ocean, which increase rainfall, reverse droughts, and promote more comfortable summer ambient temperatures below 35 degrees Celsius on land. Upwelling tens of billions of gallons of cold water toward the ocean surface would, in theory, have that effect, making tropical locations more temperate and better irrigated. Locations such as the Middle East, Northeast Africa, the Indian subcontinent, and Australia could perhaps benefit from controlling their hot and dry summer seasons and erratic rainfall. These effects are self-limiting, since OTEC fails to operate if surface temperatures cool too much. However, stranded grazing OTEC barges mining Bitcoin can easily relocate to more optimal locations. When Harmon was a graduate student at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, studying marine geology and geochemistry, he proposed research on how Bitcoin could become the transport layer in Jeremy Rifkin's book, The Third Industrial Revolution. 
Harmon's proposal wasn't well received. Professor Camillo Mora wasn't interested. Dr. Michael J. Roberts, a professor of economics, emailed him saying his research was, quote, seriously wrongheaded, encouraged him to drop out of school to work for the Winklevoss twins and read Paul Krugman for a proper critique of Bitcoin's economics. Harmon believes that he may have inadvertently inspired the thrice-refuted Mora et al. 2018 opinion in the scientific journal Nature, which erroneously claimed that Bitcoin could single-handedly drive up global temperatures by 2 degrees Celsius. According to Harmon, the opinion was written by undergrads as part of a course project at the university, who may have caught wind of his research. Neither Camillo Mora nor Katie Talladay wrote it. They edited it for grammar, not content. To this day, the flawed paper is still cited by Bitcoin critics. But what if Bitcoin and OTEC could more than just incentivize renewable energy? What if together they could moderate the climate and reduce extreme weather? Warm tropical waters along the equator notoriously generate tropical cyclones, typhoons, and hurricanes that cause tens of billions of dollars of damage throughout the world each year. In theory, the severity of these storms could be lessened by artificially upwelling enormous quantities of cool water funded by Bitcoin mining. As previously mentioned, a caveat is that ocean-based climate engineering on a global scale would likely need to be maintained indefinitely. Otherwise, the beneficial effects would soon reverse. In a post to the Bitcoin Talk Forum in 2010, Satoshi Nakamoto predicted that Bitcoin mining might gravitate towards the Earth's poles, writing, quote, Bitcoin generation should end up where it's cheapest. Maybe that will be in cold climates where there's electric heat, where it would be essentially free. Although Nakamoto perhaps did not consider that Bitcoin has the potential to draw enormous amounts of free energy from tropical oceans, OTEC is not technically limited to equatorial waters. Energy as a stranded byproduct. Let's take another quick break right here and talk about how to get into Bitcoin and the best place to buy and learn. So, rad. Since you're new to the space, what did you use? Coinbase or... Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was, that's right. Swan Bitcoin. Swan Bitcoin, of course. They actually have Swan Private, which is the concierge service. You get everything that you could possibly need to get started, especially for the high net worth individuals like yourself, Rad, right? So what did you like most about Swan Bitcoin? Was it the low fees? Was it help in getting allocated with your traditional IRA or 401k? Was it help with your business account? Or was it just having access to the best team of real, no-nonsense Bitcoiners out there? To answer any of the questions you have, they have regular calls, events, and even one-on-one chats to learn the ropes, get started, get help with setting up your keys, and keep you up to date on best practices. Ah, of course it was, of course it was. And I have decided, just for little rad here, that I'm adding another auto-purchase of $50 every... of $75? $100? $100 every week, automatically, and it will withdraw to my keys, Rad's, Rad's keys, automatically. The best high-signal, no-noise service 
for allocating to Bitcoin. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash guy. Again, that's swanbitcoin.com slash guy. Energy as a stranded byproduct. Quote, Power is synonymous with progress in civilization. Dr. H. Baju. Any temperature differential can be used to create energy. In the March 1930 issue of Scientific American, Dr. H. Bajot proposed using the heat differential between Arctic waters and air to produce energy during winter months when hydroelectric plants have reduced stream flow. Bajot envisioned using butane as a working fluid, which has a boiling point of negative 5 degrees Celsius. The fluid is condensed with blocks of ice salt formed by frozen cryohydrate, a saturated saltwater ice made from brine, which is recirculated between a condenser back to an adjacent ice bed where it refreezes. Assuming a realistic level of efficiency of 4%, Bajo calculated that the energy extracted from freezing one cubic meter of water in a Bajo Otec plant would equal the energy generated by two gallons of petroleum. The waste product from a Bajo plant is ice. Although modern engineers believe Bajo's ideas were largely infeasible, they are not impossible. A Bajo plant could be located on polar region islands or on platforms attached to ice caps. Such stranded facilities could fund themselves with optimally cooled Bitcoin mining to create artificial ice sheets or glaciers in Greenland or on Antarctica valleys located near the coast. The technology could even be used to terraform planets or moons in the very distant future. The process of glacial grafting is not particularly difficult. During the 12th century, when news of Genghis Khan and advancing Mongols reached what is now northern Pakistan, Villagers were said to have blocked the mountain passes by growing glaciers across them. The art of glacial grafting has been definitively practiced since at least the early 19th century in the mountains of the Hindu Kush and Karakoram for irrigation and to preserve access to fresh water. Barjot's proposal further illustrates how stranded temperature differentials can produce considerable quantities of energy and desirable byproducts such as nutrients, artificial reefs, aquaculture, desalinated water, minerals, or even ice sheets. In a sense, one might think of stranded energy as the byproduct that can be readily exchanged for Bitcoin to make the project a reality. Pushing Humanity Forward In 1964, Soviet astronomer Nikolai Kardashev proposed the Kardashev scale, a method of measuring a civilization's level of technological advancement based on the amount of energy it is able to extract from its environment. Utilizing the free energy of a planet's oceans is an imperative for a civilization's advancement up this scale. The possibilities of unlocking the thermal energy of the oceans is nearly limitless. While the innovators of a bygone era, including the likes of Darson Vaugh, Claude, Campbell, Tesla, and Barjot, were unable to see their ideas come to fruition, Bitcoin can help make their dreams of virtually free, renewable energy and abundance come to life. 
As governments around the world attempt to make sense of an open, inclusive, and neutral global currency that monetizes energy, innovations in power generation will remain stifled without utilizing Bitcoin as a stranded energy buyer of last resort. And yet, Bitcoin seems destined to tap the thermal energy of the oceans. Stranded OTEC Bitcoin mining in international waters would create a protective regulatory barrier from governments that would seek to stifle non-state money. With the power to seed seasteading citadels, OTEC could allow humans to sustainably and independently thrive in isolated waters beyond the reach of governments. The more governments fight Bitcoin, the more Bitcoin will be drawn to energy-abundant international waters. The ability for Bitcoin to unlock energy abundance embodies what Brandon Quittam describes in his essay, Bitcoin is a Pioneer Species, where Bitcoin mimics biological systems that colonize inhospitable environments and liberate the potential energy in raw elements for more advanced species to utilize and flourish. Prove it works. For all the imagination and hope of an energy-abundant future that OTEC could unleash, one must be realistic. There are still engineering challenges with medium-scale 100-megawatt OTEC that must be solved. However, compared to what has been accomplished by the offshore oil and gas industry, the obstacles are not impossible to overcome. The issue at present is that the challenges are keeping humanity from scaling the technology from 10 megawatts to 100 megawatt scale. Before Bitcoin, a 10 megawatt OTEC plant was too expensive and the innovation valley of death too wide. There are environmental issues as well, but nothing at the scale of the issues from fossil fuel extraction or combustion. Comprehensive study is needed as part of the scaling process. Still, OTEC has had more failures than successes in its long history of futuristic dreaming for a brighter future. The question remains, will it work? The good news is that we don't have to trust oceanographers and engineers making extraordinary claims about OTEC, or any energy technology for that matter. Instead, Bitcoin is a test lab for scaling new forms of energy production. Bitcoin mining rigs and their public wallet addresses will prove to investors and the general public if test facilities are able to perform the work they claim. In this light, proof of work is just another term for proof it works. Bitcoin doesn't care if OTEC works or not. If an OTEC pilot plant produces the energy that is promised, the team that built it will be rewarded. Proven on a public ledger, the plant will have a symbiotic co-located buyer for stranded energy and can secure the funding needed to scale up the operation. If not, the experiment fails with no reward. Bitcoin mining rigs plug right into any power source in any remote location ready to pay for its energy with digital gold. Bitcoin will be the final judge and jury as to whether or not OTEC scales or fails. Therein lies the beauty of Bitcoin mining and proof-of-work, an energy-hungry digital bearer asset that paradoxically unlocks human flourishing and energy abundance. Claude was never able to extract enough microscopic flecks of gold from seawater 
or sell enough ice to fund his stranded OTEC projects. But he might have succeeded if he had had a reliable, co-located buyer of energy. By stranding energy on inaccessible shores and distant platforms, humanity can begin the process of harnessing power in ways never before possible. For the first time, the opportunity to economically harness planetary power is within our grasp. Thanks to Bitcoin, the human spirit of innovation remains strong. The journey won't be easy, and there's much more work to be done. And through it all, Bitcoin will be ready, willing, and able to guide humanity on that endeavor to a future of energy abundance, prosperity, and freedom. This is a guest post by Level 39. Opinions expressed are entirely their own and do not necessarily reflect those of BTC Incorporated or Bitcoin Magazine. And that concludes our article by Level 39. And uh, uh, basically, the, the person he is talking about in this, which I have listened to most of and should be finishing up soon, um, Nathaniel Harmon is the one that is putting this together. And it is pretty incredible what he has been doing over kind of in Hawaii by himself. And... Uh, taking all of this on and so I really wanted to have a conversation with him so that is basically going to be the follow-up to this episode the guy the the actual guys take so to speak um is uh is we're gonna interview uh Harmon we're gonna in- interview Nathaniel um I should be if everything goes right I should be recording with him in just a couple of hours and I really want to break this down because this is a really interesting concept. And I love that Level 39 actually mentions specifically in this piece, Brandon Quittum's, uh Bitcoin is a pioneer species that it will, it will chase down, it will seek out and find basically uninhabitable land. But in, in the context of the metaphor, uninhabitable energy sources, like stranded, lost energy sources and take advantage of them and bring economic sustainability to that location. Um, and, and I loved his, uh, one of the things, hey buddy, hey buddy. Rad is back with us, by the way, if you could not, <laughs> if you could not tell, hey dude, do you not like, do you not like this part of the guy's take? Okay, our co-host has returned to his meal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, what was I talking about? Pioneer species. So, is that it actually lays the groundwork. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, coal plants, you know, coal towns and, and gold rush towns, that like like little trade towns that popped up when this resource was found. And then suddenly it sparked the ability to, to begin to lay out civilization, like other businesses that could then flourish, then trade hubs would flourish, and then there'd be travel going to the area. And all because of this single resource was found that could begin to sustain some sort of economic base layer to to sustain an economy to sustain civilization on top of it and historically it's been waterways like that has been what has driven humanity to one area or another is the access to waterways like you know it's like 80 percent of the whole 80 percent of the world's population is within like 100 kilometers of water or something like that I, i don't remember exactly what the statistic is but it's it's ridiculous like we are it's it's very funny we're we're like an algae as a civilization like we collect where the water is and we grow and spread out from there we build our own little environment and you know Brandon Quidham has that wonderful analogy of the fungi and the the mycelium 
but in the last, you know, 200 years or so, um, and especially with the discovery of oil and a lot of these like energy sources, humanity began to spread out a little bit, go to these areas that actually weren't accessible by water that were much less habitable, but had these resources that could benefit the rest of civilization in a massive way. Um, and it started to spark a spread of, uh, of, of the human species from the predominant areas in which we have been able to grow and sustain ourselves to new areas. And that the ability to actually economically be rewarded for stranded energy sources, for energy sources in the middle of nowhere that make no economic sense to run, you know, some 6,000 mile power line uh, to get to the nearest uh, like piece of civilization where there's actual actual consumers of that energy. But to be able to use utilize that stranded stranded energy for Bitcoin mining, to to use it to secure the monetary base layer of civilization and then build out from that. And the other things that you can do with these energy sources, when you have access to a stranded energy source that by itself, without any of the infrastructure, without all of the the cost analysis, like so much of the complexity that goes into actually tapping into and using in a in a in an economic way, in a profitable way, that source of energy, when you take away so much of the orchestration and the planning and the the need for funding in in that situation, and you can just tap directly into the energy source and literally attach, co-locate, just directly attach your energy consumer that will pay you, suddenly there's all these other things you can do with that energy source. Suddenly... It makes sense to take a little bit of a way to desalinate to um and that's what you know talks about with this this OTEC thing is the the amount of because it's economic simply to have the system in place the number of things you can then do with the byproduct that that specifically this is just taking advantage of a temperature difference to have that much cold water and all of the different things that you could then fuel it with, like a nutrient-dense water, like like aquaculture, I think is such an interesting thing because, and I wish I could have described the the little graphics and stuff that uh, Level Thirty Nine actually had in this article, but uh, it was talking about like how Hawaii was sustaining, self-sustaining before, like during the Kingdom of Hawaii before it was a state and before it had um, contact with Westerners. And it showed like how they had these, uh, this basically aquaculture that they they would build these um, reefs and then they would have uh, places that they could essentially raise their own food and that there's real potential of being able to, with bringing up so much nutrient-dense water. I mean, you're pulling this up to the surface specifically to mine Bitcoin and because the energy output of it is going to be an economic profit mechanism but it's fertilizer it's basically pumping out some of the best fertilizer that you could get a hold of and what can you do with it after that after you cool your bitcoin mining rigs the fact that you could potentially cool bitcoin mining uh bitcoin asics so well as to be essentially like loss no thermal loss that this could literally potentially be the most efficient way to mine Bitcoin because the very byproduct you have is essentially the cheapest coolant. It's a, it's a coolant that 
runs itself, right? Like, like the coolant is what creates the energy, but then it's also the most, the best coolant. Like usually to get a coolant, you, you produce, you use some of the energy that you create. You actually have to expend cost to get the coolant. Now your coolant is actually the thing that's producing your profit. Like if this actually works, that is a massive, massive potential advantage. Like that could, that could potentially outside of the, the feasibility of OTEC itself, just that one element of it is, is a greater, if you can actually overclock it by 30 to 40%, that's a better, that's better than the ASIC boost, boost advantage, which put Bitmain at the head of the mining industry for what, three or four years. So that's a big deal. But there's so much OTEC is not the only thing here, you know, like this is that's what's beautiful about this is the the incredible incentives. And I love too the the idea of the innovation valley of death, which um it's it's kind of in line, like it like it's a very general economic idea. I've never heard it used in that term, but it's something that you see all the time with you know the marginal utility of developing a thing and then what potential output that will eventually have is that if it doesn't make economic sense to go, if you don't get actual profit, if you don't get the true payoff of the technology or the innovation itself until like step four or step five, and steps two, one, two, and three are incredibly expensive, but there is an alternative that produces output at step two, or step one, like, you know, like early on in the phases and can happen at small scale, then that original project just doesn't happen. There's never the, the, the economic incentive is always to go with the shorter, more efficient path towards profitability. And also you have such a broader scope of people who can actually invest in it, who can actually build out that infrastructure. So the, the network effect of that energy source is going to be orders of magnitude stronger than the one that requires you to get to step four. This is actually one of the big reasons renewable energies and things like um, uh, hydroelectric are so sparse and still are incredibly difficult to find to to get robust investment in because of the incredible expense upfront expense and the insane amounts of time and infrastructure that has to be built out in order to make it actually pay you you know if it takes you 10 years for an energy source that costs you three billion freaking dollars to actually start paying you back because you got to run 1200 miles of lines you got to build a dam you got to change the entire ecosystem of this river and waterfall you know uh, a situation you have to build out all of your infrastructure and everything just to get this thing to start producing and you might produce watts you might produce megawatts of energy within a year or two you're not done. You can't, you, you have to find somebody to sell it to. You have to build out the massive, your power lines might cost as much more or many multiples of the actual production of the energy, actually building the dam. The fact that Bitcoin can tap into this immediately, that the second you have a watt of electricity, Bitcoin can pay you for it. Man, I just... Like, I think Harmon is right, and I really kind of want to read his the, the paper that he wrote. I'll probably bug him about it in a little while. 
um, but uh, about how it will lead to the third industrial revolution. Um, I, I genuinely think the, and there was an article we read about this, actually. It was another Bitcoin Magazine article. What was that titled? There was one about how essentially the incentive of Bitcoin is so strong that it's going to lead that there's there's been incredible stagnancy actually in our internet our, our energy infrastructure and the the technology around ener energy actually um because we've we've actually become complacent and settled in the way the the architecture of energy production actually works and that the change of incentives and economic dynamics with bitcoin being introduced changes it so much at such an early stage within the energy production process, like how it can pay off, how it can allow all energy sources to actually pay off, um, that, that it will do that pioneer species thing, that it, that it will begin to tap into energy sources that we have ignored or just considered infeasible or just impossible to go get that makes no economic sense. All of these things will suddenly resurface you know otec like like you said otec is 140 year old technology 150 years whatever it was but now it actually may make economic sense we may actually have the missing piece of the puzzle that brings this back and actually makes it a reality and what's fascinating is that it it completely bridges that innovation valley of death right is that it completely changes it's like it's like a you know, everybody's heard about, you know, climbing up the economic ladder and how, like, regulations and all these things remove it. Like, that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's the, it's that same thing except for economic prop, uh, profitability and sustainability is that, you know, you've got a ladder where the first 30 rungs of the ladder just aren't there. Then after that, it's just a normal ladder. It's even a good, you know, it's a 45-degree slope, just a great easy climb, right? But you got to figure out how to get up the the poles of the ladder for the first 30 rungs without any really kind of defeats the whole purpose of the fact that it even has rungs up at the top. Bitcoin mining essentially makes it even if even if that ladder is so perfect and it's going to do exactly the job you need it to after you get up to the to the 30th rung, you're probably never going to do it because of the initial investment, the initial pain it takes to get up there. When something else can just do the job better, when you can get a little six foot simple ladder and, you know, do half of what your job was supposed to be and just kind of ignore the rest. You know, Harmon uh, or level 30, and I guess it was, I guess it was him discussion with Harmon talking about like what the, what was it, 10 megawatt or 20 megawatt um, facility would require in investment. It's like 200 to 300 million dollars to build something that was a proof of concept that would not be profitable? Can you imagine having to make that level of investment in something that you knew was just going to be a sunk cost, that was just going to be dead weight, just to prove that you could make a billion dollar investment later? And how many years was going to go by without any return? And that that two to three hundred million dollars just vanished. It's just so that you can hope to begin a bigger and potentially riskier project. No wonder nobody's done it. But the fact that this could be done on a barge, that this could be done out at sea so that you can actually 
move where the uh, the energy source is best. That it does not have to be sta uh, uh, static. It does not have to be locked into place. That you have no transmission lines. You don't have to hook it up anywhere. You can just bring a whole crap ton of crates of Bitcoin ASIC miners and just mine wherever it needs to be. That you even get around the regulatory concerns. That you don't have to worry about like whether or not you're on the right plot of land and like how much it's going to be to, you know, figure out the right licensing and everything specifically in Hawaii. You're out in international waters. If you can make a temperature difference, produce your little bit of electricity, you can do whatever you want with it. Just mine Bitcoin. And that this could basically get you 15 to 20 rungs back on that ladder. Now that challenge doesn't look so great. Now that challenge, that, that, that ladder looks climbable. And after you get up to that first rung and start climbing from there, you've, what you've got basically on the other side of that is an indefinite source of energy. I don't know, it's just crazy. It's crazy to think how much, like this is just one example and I think we're going to see this all over the place. We're going to see this like crazy. I think this could, this is also why I think um, the uh, uh, liquid, uh, liquid fluoride uh, reactors, nuclear reactors and thorium reactors, the, just the very way that these things are designed. Yes, there's a huge upfront cost in testing these things and making sure that you get one built out that actually works. But the thorium reactor design is specifically one that can be far more modular, that can, that can be far smaller than the current nuclear design that, you know, has been in since the 50s, 60s. Not to mention it's insanely safer. Uh, it does not have the, the byproduct, the horrible byproducts of the typical nuclear reactor, like the uranium reactors that we use now. And where those are actually only like one or two percent efficient or something crazy like that, like the the vast majority, because it's a solid, uh, solid uranium core, the vast majority of its actual energy potential is never even utilized. You you don't even get anything out of it. That's why it's so horribly radioactive, even after you're done with it. I mean, of course, it's a it's the most energy dense. Uh, uh, energy production method that we have by far. So the waste is literally thousands and hundreds of thousands of the amount of waste of any of our other energy sources. And that's basically the bad, crappy version of nuclear. Whereas thorium, because it's liquid and because the because of the way the reaction works, um, it's actually run by a catalyst. So that if you want to if you want to cut it off, you literally just stop feeding the catalyst and it will stop reacting and you're fine. So it's a far, far safer. And it's also at way less pressure. It's still, you know, super high pressure um, because it's nuclear, but it's way, way less pressure than the current nuclear uh, reactor designs. But you can't cut uranium off. If you start a uranium reactor, you're, it, just, it just goes until the uranium is not radioactive anymore. There's nothing you can do about it. The thorium, on the other hand, the, the liquid thorium reactors, you can just you can just cut off. You just remove the catalyst and the reaction stops. Um, so it's far, far safer in that regard, but also because it's liquid, because you don't have this, this solid uh, solid core that you're trying to get the energy out of, uh, the, you can actually keep recirculating the liquid, cleaning out the, 
basically the spent fuel and keep the non-spent fuel in the solution or whatever and they can actually get like 98 99% energy efficiency basically take all of the usable energy out of the thorium um and that this can be done on a much smaller scale but again think of the investment think of the regulatory hurdles think of all of the challenges of building new nuclear plants what if you could do this out in the middle of nowhere where you know a state that has almost no population and you know basically no consumer of the electricity but is eager to have someone come test something you have a much more friendly regulatory environment um or god knows you know anywhere in the world really and then you can plug this into bitcoin miners to test this thing out to get across that innovation valley of death and bring a far safer far more energy efficient and even cleaner version of nuclear that is essentially limitless like thorium is so freaking abundant it's absurd like we could i think the estimate that i read last was that there's enough like you can pull thorium out of seawater for crying out loud um but that there's enough just thorium um easily accessible like cheaply accessible that you could power all of the world's energy needs right now in totality for like i think it was like tens of thousands of years and i really think bitcoin could change the dynamics there i think i think bitcoin could be the thing proof of work mining could be the thing that makes that make economic sense and gets past the well the politicians aren't happy with it so this is just never going to happen it removes the need for the ignorant political push to be the only way to actually achieve it because if there's anything detached from the real world and the the actual nuance of all of the things involved in this stuff it's the political apparatus there could be nothing more misdirected and misallocating than the freaking political apparatus of course they're never going to like it will be after some south american country or whatever goes full nuclear thorium and has essentially free energy for everybody in their country that america will finally capitulate and be like okay nuclear might be something we'll still be burning coal to try to get across the blackouts caused by all the freaking windmills and solar panels that we're installing this is just one of those things i really think this is one of the most incredible things about bitcoin to me um and I, and I want to remember, I'll link in the show notes that article that I was talking about a little while ago that I can't remember the name of, about how Bitcoin is going to lead a revolution in physical technology and in, in actual energy production uh, innovation. And I, I really do. Um, I think, you know, Harmon's little thing, I want to read, like I said, I want to read his thing. And I love, I love the reaction of the economics professor. Go read Paul Krugman. And like, God, that is so, that is so stereotypical. It's, it's just hilarious. Um, I, I hope, I hope when this starts to actually unfold, that, that guy is so embarrassed. I want to know what his Twitter account is. So I can rub it in his face. <laughs> but you know, there's another one. Uh, I almost forgot. I, I wanted to mention this on the show because um, uh, I've been chatting with this guy, uh, Ruben, Ruben B. Hornet. Um, he's 
pleb underscore hornet, at pleb underscore hornet on Twitter. And he has had this really interesting thing that he has been trying to explore and get interest in. And he's been talking with someone. He keeps referring to him as Roger. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it is here. Um, and he sent me a uh, a patent application that was breaking some of this stuff down. So long story short, there's a lot of oil wells that get decommissioned because they the the well itself is tapped, right? Like like the the well runs out of oil and there's nothing you can do with it. So the oil rig um just sits stagnant, it rusts and you know, it just gets it just gets decommissioned and then it's trash essentially after that. And then in addition, you have oil wells that get drilled that never actually tap into oil that that actually make the mistake of thinking there's a huge reserve but they've miscalculated their instruments, you know, are only so accurate in even trying to find these sources. It's a guess and check in a lot of ways. And so they get tapped and then there's nothing you can do with it. It's just a sunk cost. You got to you got to make a couple of uh make a couple of mistakes to actually find the gold, right? Well, he's been specifically looking in the Norwegian area, but he's actually been exploring the fact that you could turn these decommissioned oil rigs into geothermal energy plants that the temperature underneath like where they drill into the temperature in the norwegian fields is between 160 and 340 degrees fahrenheit that is a geothermal energy plant and even better that apparently the way they get the oil out as as i'm understanding in this conversation i haven't really dug into it like i i want to um, but uh, I'm hoping that this just keeps rolling and he keeps finding people who are interested in this and want to actually take advantage of it. But that the a major way that like the oil is actually brought out is they have a pipe going down to pump water into the well in order to get the oil out, to get the pressure. So they basically already made their entry and exit pipe. And that these could actually be done on the subfloor. So rather than having to... Even though, obviously, a decommissioned oil rig might be a freaking steal when it comes to buying the thing to recommission it as a geothermal power plant, which nobody would ever do without being able to have an energy source on the plant, right? Like, on the on the actual rig. Because you can't put an Amazon server on the thing. Your bandwidth is dog shit. You have to, what are you going to have to run a fiber line from your oil rig to the mainland? You have to do like a huge trunk cable, you know, you need terawatts of, uh, I mean, excuse me, terabytes of bandwidth um, just to get anything sensible off of it. But that you could actually, without any extra lines, without anything, you could just go there, bring your ASICs, set up shop, turn the thing on, and and you're, you're mining Bitcoin. But even crazier is that you could do this on the sea floor. You could actually put the the geothermal plant the the energy production at the bottom of the freaking ocean you just drill right down and then you don't have to worry about you know losing temperature like temperature control all the way up you know through what is it like a thousand meters of water or whatever you could literally just bring the water right up out into the bottom of the um bottom of the ocean uh, create the geothermal energy mine it right there and pump it right back down and again this runs on the exact same concept it's just a temperature difference a huge temperature difference. 
And this is a situation where a lot of the potential infrastructure where you could test this stuff is already built for you. Like you don't even, you have the pipes already in place. You have the pumps. You have 80% of the job. You have a platform that nobody else wants because you can't do anything with it anymore. How crazy would that be to be able to turn a whole bunch of decommissioned oil rigs into power plants that mine Bitcoin with completely clean, completely renewable geothermal energy? And these are just like a couple of things that are genuinely could very well be extremely economically viable, like super profitable. How many others? How much, how much other stranded energy is out there? How much have we been so stuck in our old way of thinking how much will we be able to tap into when we realize the incredible potential of this and the people that embrace it the energy grids that embrace this are going to be orders of magnitude they're, they're it's going to be a step function improvement in how we can manage and create reliable abundant energy and the jurisdictions that don't the ones that fight this are going to be trapped in the stone age it's going to be it's going to be like you know countries that embrace the internet for attack versus attacking it it's it's going to be stupid like the potential flood of economic activity that could come from this will be i, I genuinely think could be incredible and this is just one side of the coin man we've got lightning we've got international payments and remittances if you haven't listened to the writing the lightning article by sam callahan from swan uh dude you got to that's it's so crazy. Like, seriously, I mean, the, the price is down and everybody's focused on the price and watching like candlesticks on a chart. And I'm just like, dude, look at what's going on. Look at what we're figuring out. Look at what's being built. Look at the fundamentals. And I guess that's such a buzzword, but like, look at what's happening. Look at the perspective. Where were we nine months ago versus where are we today? This thing is massive. This thing is growing so much. We're finally seeing some people who have been discounting this, that have been dismissing this for so long, are beginning to see just how much potential there is. Exxon is using Bitcoin mining to trap their methane gas, to cap their flared methane, to meet environmental regulations. It is already becoming an integral part of actually being able to meet climate regulations and all of this makes bitcoin more secure makes its economic guarantees more reliable builds a stronger base and builds out long-term sustainable liquidity on the network at a global level and it may very well spark an energy abundance revolution at the exact same time so i was I told myself I wasn't really going to do much of a guy's take because I was going to talk with Nathaniel Harmon in like an hour. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to close that out here. I didn't do a very good job of not guys taking it, but okay, that's fine. We'll just do another one. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you to Rad, my uh, short time co-host for today's show. I know he's very busy. He's got a tight schedule, so, you know, I'm happy to get him when I can. Uh, and thank you to Swan Bitcoin, to the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, to Fold and the Fold card for being the best services and the best products in the Bitcoin space. Stuff that I use, 
literally more than anything else. That's those those are the ones, and they keep this show alive and available for you. We have got some great stuff coming, so stay tuned, stay subscribed. This is Bitcoin Audible, and until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys. You have been listening to Bitcoin Audible, a 111 production. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.